Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. Uh, my name is Mbiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into an interesting discussion, and I say interesting given the time of the year. Depending on when you're listening to this, it's either uh, we are in the midst of the festive season or just after the festive season. And one of the big questions uh, that tends to come during this time is uh, whether or not companies uh, is bonuses is that issue around bonuses at this time of the year this is when people get that that 13th check uh, in a lot of instances uh, but for others it's performance bonuses then different types of bonuses uh, that people get and we're going to be getting some legal expertise into you know whether or not uh, companies have to pay uh, employee bonuses and some of the issues uh, around that so we're going to having you know quite an interesting discussion we're going to be talking just now with fiona lepan who is director in employment law over at cdh that's cliff decker hofmeyer they are uh, one of the large law firms here in johannesburg fiona greetings to you today thank you very much indeed now, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your time on what is likely, you know, one of those topics that is uh, close to many people's hearts. Uh, but before we get into that particular discussion, maybe a little bit of insight into CDH itself. I'm sure a lot of people either know of the law practice or have seen the building in and around uh, the Santon area. So just a little into, into the firm itself and then uh, the employment practice over at uh, CDH. Sure. So Kliftbecker Hofmeyer, as its name suggests, was a merger between two legacy firms, Kliftbecker and Hofmeyer Ginwala, all those years ago in 2008. And it has grown significantly over the years into a full services law firm. It's very much corporate law based, a significant number of corporate clients and then the services that match and support that, which of course includes the employment law area, occupational health and safety, competition law issues, and I lump those together with dispute resolution because that's the beauty about employment law. It invariably impacts different areas of the law, and that's why it's so useful to have a large service suite such as we do because we work all all the time with our colleagues in the commercial space, the competition law space, tax area. So it's uh, it's it's a very interesting dynamic area of the law. And when one thinks that our constitutional court in cases which concern transfer of businesses are going concern, uh, look at employees as an asset in the business for the purposes of assessing the transfer and whether employees are protected under that particular regime, uh, it's important to see how our legislation is there to support employee rights uh, within, obviously, the bounds of the Constitution and the legislation underpinning it. And, of course, that's what we'll be talking to today with regard to the Labor Relations Act, Basic Conditions of Employment Act, etc. 
So with uh, with that understanding, you know, I guess underpinning uh, the direction of this discussion, uh, we understand you guys at CDH are very much corporate, uh, very much entrenched when it comes to corporate law. And uh, you heard me in the introduction talking about how uh, this is the time that we tend to get those bonuses. Um, and it's one of those things that's near and dear to many people's hearts to say it's been a long year. And one of the ways that people feel rewarded for, you know, what has been a tough year is to get that bonus. But I can speak <laughs> you know, from personal experience in my life that I've been working for a number of years, albeit I'm from, uh, you know, what people would consider the younger generation, but I've been working uh, for a number of years, about uh, five years now, and I've never received a bonus. And, you know, one wonders, are bonuses still like a thing that was prevalent back in the day? Is it something that we, our generation has missed out on? Is it something of a bygone era? Is it something mandated? Maybe you could give us a little bit of color around that and what the law actually says. So it, it is indeed a very interesting topic because as its name suggests, a bonus is invariably a benefit. It's something the employee may work for, or it's something that the employee came to expect as a matter of right. And many decades back, in fact, and I'm giving away my age here, it seems almost a given. It was often written into the contract of employment. Employees received it and expected to receive it. And, of course, there are still examples of that today. But over time, what employers have tended to do is they want employees to have earned that benefit and not just achieve it as a matter of right. And so it's often been replaced with the concept of a performance-related bonus uh, where your own performance or that of the company is assessed in order for you to receive extra uh, in terms of your earnings because this would not necessarily be committed to remuneration. It's something over and above remuneration that you have to work for and and demonstrate your worth to your employer. So I think you're right in the sense that the notion of a 13th check is a bit more archaic in the sense that it was something the employee believed they were entitled to as a matter of course. Uh, And of course, employers have become that much more, um, should we say, practical in that regard to say, look, I'm prepared to pay something, but I need to get something in return before I would award a bonus in the circumstances. So that drives one into, well, what are the sources of such a benefit? Well, it could arise because of the contract of employment, could even arise through collective agreements, and I'll come back to that in a minute. Or that benefit might have been granted in terms of a policy or a practice that was subject to the employer's discretion. So if we go back to what we call the contractual arrangement, if the employer has built into the contract that he or she will pay a 13th check or bonus without saying more, well, that becomes the contractual entitlement for the employee. But it's more likely that the employer might write into the contract that you may earn a bonus, but it's subject to the following parameters and certain conditions must be met. When I talk to that contract of employment, that's the private individual relationship between the employee 
and employer on entry into employment. So young people coming into the workplace now are at liberty before they sign a contract of employment to ask about those bonus opportunities and how they are uh, measured, how they are granted, in what circumstances do they get full coverage up front. Of course, in a unionised environment, and South Africa does have, of course, uh, strident trade unions that push and want to do the best for their members, might very well make this a bargaining issue in the collective bargaining process, which invariably leads to the conclusion of a collective agreement. And that might very well amend a contract of employment that the employee originally concluded with the employer, because obviously the collective agreement follows that. So we do see bonus provisions often in collective agreements, and the unions will have negotiated with the employer as to what are the criteria to be taken into account for a performance bonus to be earned, whether it is linked to individual performance, is it linked to the company's performance, or it could even be a combination of both. But lastly, on my example, you might find that the, the benefit arises from a policy or a practice which the employer has in place. And what you'll often find with these policies is the employer says, I'm not making this a condition of employment. So it's not subject to any contractual arrangement with my employees. But this is my policy as to how I'm going to manage an issue such as a bonus. And here are my parameters. Here are my criteria for this to be earned. But it's subject to my discretion. And it's subject to my sole discretion whether I will eventually pay it or not. And, and that really is the, if you like, backdrop to the debate we're having this morning. A trade union could obviously say, that might be a policy consideration employer, but my list of demands for my negotiations in the next round of, of collective bargaining is going to be we want a guaranteed bonus. So there's room for a trade union to come in and amend a policy to make an issue a condition of employment, as I say, that will be underpinned by a collective agreement concluded with the employer. Now, thank you so much for that, uh, Fiona, and especially just uh, laying down uh, those foundations around um, all of the different areas and circumstances around which people have traditionally gotten bonuses or the structures around bonuses and how they come about. And I think at least in a unionized type of um, environment or scenario where there is some type of collective bargaining or the unions are involved, at least things seem a little more black and white, albeit I'm sure there's a lot of gray inside there, but it seems a little more black and white, at least around the fact that you either get it or you don't, and it's something that's built into those agreements. But, you know, maybe shifting into some of those areas where collective bargaining is not either prevalent or is not uh, is something that's just not there for example in your professional services types of spaces and i think i heard you mentioning i think one of the last ones you mentioned is a way of doing business or uh, a particular way of doing business it might come about that their bonuses how do people navigate some of those spaces where 
it sort of feels as if it's on an individualized basis as opposed to something uh, that people can bargain on on a collective basis. So it does put the emphasis on the contract of employment concluded when the employee enters the service of the employer. And unfortunately, it's very often the case that the individual is so keen to get into the workplace. This is the opportunity to start earning could be a first job even. And they're not necessarily thinking broader than, I want this job at all costs. And I think where we have such huge unemployment rates, you would appreciate that the employee might not be so focused on what could be the extras that an employer might otherwise be prepared to, to provide. And it's not to say that parties can't amend the contract of employment after its conclusion. But as an individual, whether up against the employer, it's going to be that much more difficult, perhaps, to make a change that might have a substantial impact on a broader workforce. And here I might be talking, as you've said, in the services industry, uh, smaller employers and not a unionized environment makes it a bit more difficult. But employers generally, have certain challenges of their own. We have significant immigration in South Africa currently, which is very, very sad indeed, but we're losing skill and we're losing talented persons. How does an employer try to keep good skilled people in its service? And it's very going to be to the offer of tangible benefits. And it won't work in every case, but where there is a skills shortage, how do you attract persons, not only into your business, but also to retain that talent? And you've got to then be open to the thought, there's extra I might need to provide to my employees. And I want to do that in order to at least satisfy my needs as a business going forward. Uh, and that's certainly the case in many sectors where, where we're starting to feel that loss of, uh, of, of, of necessary skill. And that's, that's certainly the sort of pull and push factors. And so what an employer would normally do in this situation is say, well, look, I don't have a benefit scheme. What am I going to put in place and how I'm going to manage it? And that can be built on so many different uh, facets, but it's certainly going to take into account, I would believe, an element of the individual performance versus can the company ultimately afford it? As long as certain of those uh, certain criteria are met, if the employer has agreed that it will then pay the bonus, then it must do so. It must then also ensure that it applies that bonus scheme fairly to its employees, because inconsistency in that regard could give rise to an unfair labour practice because the provision of the benefit is being unfairly dealt with. You know, as you're talking, one of the things that's uh, striking me is that factor of uh, retaining talent because you know, when you talk to business leaders in and around South Africa, uh, particularly in some of the very competitive sectors such as technology, financial services and the like, you hear from business leaders that retaining talent really is 
top of mind and you're retaining talent firstly amongst internal competition within the country and then secondly to what you were saying just now uh, the fact that uh, you know a lot of the talented individuals and skilled individuals are being taken up uh, by opportunities outside of South Africa so you see that quote-unquote brain drain um, happening because people that do have the skills can go out there and have some of those uh, greener pastures out there and And one of the things I was keen to maybe get your sense on is the fact that in a lot of, um, I guess it's tied to this whole thing of retaining talent, but also at the same time, a lot of companies moving into spaces where they're paying less and less benefits. One of the trends that's happening right now is that um, a lot of companies are now gearing their workforces towards contractual work, uh, part-time work, those types of employment structures. And in that particular case, there is little to no <laughs> contractual obligation for things like your benefits, right? How does one even navigate that type of thing? Because if we're saying that um, the bonus structure is something that, that was archaic, then yeah, if we're moving towards more and more contractual types of um, work structures, then it's very possible that uh, you know bonuses might well be uh, a real thing of the past soon. I think you raise a, an interesting dynamic to our debate uh, because this concept of the part-time work, uh, the casual work, Uh, and not the traditional eight-to-five job five days a week that we've seen often enough uh, pre-COVID. We're moving into, I would say, that hybrid method of of arranging working hours. And where an employee is contracted on that part-time scenario, for example, it's not to say they can't have two employers, depending on what their contractual relationship may be with each because obviously there could be issues of confidentiality, which which have to be um, uh, looked after. But certainly the drive then is the employer saying, I don't want any of the additional add-ons. I'm going to pay you a total wage or salary that covers everything. Uh, This is what you're going to earn. There'll be nothing more than that, nothing less. That's what you're going to get. Now, that might have... A, an appeal, but I think it's it, the problem is going to be the employee saying, well, I appreciate what I'm getting, and I appreciate that's what I'm going to get, but I do want more if I've put my shoulder to the wheel and I've been an outstanding employee. What are you going to give me in return for that extra? And I think that's where this bonus system is going to get back into our lives. It's a more, I think, tangible issue. You know, you made a very important point at the start of our discussion about employees battling at the moment against inflation, against the rise in our cost of living this year has been quite frightening. And employees need to make ends meet, but they also want to have that little bit extra to go on holiday to buy an extra uh, um, item that they've been working towards. And that bonus can assist. Very often, bonuses have assisted employees with educational costs, uh, the books, the uniforms, the equipment required when a child goes to school. And so 
I don't think that this discussion about bonuses is necessarily over. Uh, I've got a feeling it could very well uh, gain its own momentum. And again, it's linked to talent retention. You've got to make yourself different as the employer in order to attract and maintain and keep that talent. Yeah, and it's very true, you know, that differentiation that does happen. And, uh, you know, it, it is going to be very interesting to see how uh, some of these uh, conversations actually develop over time, especially as uh, the regimes change. And I think that's very sage advice that you give to say that in debating and negotiating um, those contracts, even if you are in a part-time type of regime, that you can go in there and actually to, and actually say guys in the event that I do you know put your shoulder to the wheel if I prove myself and I achieve XYZ results uh, then surely there's some type of a package that we can uh, negotiate on from that point of view so when we then uh, are looking into the future uh, because uh, you know we've now gone about looking at the different circumstances within which bonuses are made available and you sort of walked us through all of those different situations in many cases the giving of bonuses is up to an employer's discretion it's up to a manager's discretion and the like to say okay you know what we feel like fiona's done the work we feel like she's really gone above and beyond and we think she does deserve that 13th check but in some cases you know others don't get they don't get what they deserve are there any grounds in which an employee can come in and say i feel like um, i've been discriminated against when it comes to actually receiving a bonus yes i i really like this topic and thank you for for introducing it uh we certainly have a very uh, sound legislative regime that protects the employee against unfair discriminatory behavior by the employer or in terms of the unfair provision of something such as a benefit. So an employee is not without rights that they can um, obviously exploit or exercise in those circumstances without fear of that in any way impacting their job or their job security because Obviously, an employer cannot victimise an employee for exercising their rights in law. But there have been some interesting examples. Um, and there was one matter uh, that I recall that went to, to arbitration where the employer was looking to award a special once-off bonus uh, to those employees that went beyond the call of duty during the COVID-19 pandemic. This particular award of a bonus was not provided to everyone. And that was uh, the subject of the litigation that went to the process of arbitration under the Labor Relations Act. But there, the employer's decision when to grant the bonus and to whom was it's obviously interrogated in those proceedings, but it wasn't found to have been wanting that the employer had objectively applied criteria, it had acted in a justifiable, rational way, uh, and in fact, the employees uh, lost that particular uh, arbitration because no unfair labour practice could be proven in the circumstances. They all had the opportunity to, to receive such a bonus, but 
they had to have been extra done by the employee to meet the criteria that the employer had set. Now, that brings one to this whole concept of an employer's discretion, because I do understand that the discretion can be, can be exercised incorrectly, particularly where the employer decides of its own accord. Well, you know what? I was going to give you the bonus, but I've actually decided against it. I'm not going to pay it anymore. And there have been cases along those lines as well where the employee might have thought, I'm entitled to my bonus. I don't understand why I haven't received it. And the employer is changing the parameters and is doing so in circumstances which were unfair. I could not have foreshadowed that this would be the employer's attitude. And I was the one that had a very interesting case over benefits that went all the way through to the Labour Appeal Court. And my client had changed this particular benefit um, and had done so, exercising its sole discretion. But what our court said, both the Labour Court and Labour Appeal Court, is it's not just for the employer to sit back and say, well, I've exercised my right not to grant or to change this benefit scheme, whatever the case is, doing it unilaterally because it's my right. I said I would. I reserved the discretion for myself. Both courts said the employer must still act as a reasonable person in those circumstances. So if you're going to change a benefit scheme, if you're going to exercise that discretion you've reserved for yourself, you still have to act as what they call the good person, which is really the reasonable person test. Have you acted objectively? Have you acted rationally in the circumstances? Is your decision justifiable? What my client had done was consulted, given prior notice, consulted over the change it wanted to, to uh, put in place, let employees have their say on that regard, and the employer in those circumstances, having justified why it wanted to make the change and had debated that with the employees and looked at other options, was found to have met the test of having acted as the reasonable employer in those circumstances, albeit that it had reserved for itself that sole discretion. So the employer can't just operate in a somewhat arbitrary fashion. It's still going to be subject to a test of reasonableness. Excellent. And I think that's a good place for us, uh, you know, to end what has been a very informative discussion. I've certainly learned a lot just around that issue around bonuses. And it is quite good to see and hear uh, that there are a lot of cases within which people can come in and uh, negotiate their bonuses. But one of the big things that, uh, you know, Fiona is just highlighting is the fact that often uh, people don't think about some of these issues because you have cases of high unemployment in South Africa and a lot of issues that people are facing at the moment. Uh, Lots of pressure on consumers, uh, lots of pressures on people entering the workforce. So, you know, in the beginning, you're just grateful to have a job and you're not thinking about some of these things. And unfortunately, it's to the detriment of someone being able to get some of those obligations to the employer actually being uh, done within a contract. But the other one just talked 
talking about the different instances within which bonuses can be got. And I liked the way we end off the discussion talking about discrimination and the fact that in certain cases, you know, people can go out and argue, but they have to pass the test of reasonableness where the courts decide whether or not the discretion exercised by an employer, whether or not this was reasonable. And there was a case uh, that she cited where in actual fact, uh, the employees were the ones that lost because the employer was actually proven to have acted in a reasonable way. And then finally, just showing the fact that, uh, you know, things are changing. And uh, as time goes on, especially as more and more contractual work becomes prevalent, all of these discussions will come uh, with a completely different dynamic to them. So that's been it. Uh, We were talking uh, to Fiona and, uh, you know, she was just giving us all of that insight from CDH, Fiona Lepan, who is the Director in Employment Law over at uh, Cliff Decker Hofmeyer. Fiona, thank you so much for being with us today. Pleasure. Take care. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcasts on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.